Brandon Steiner, and this is Unplugged with Brandon Steiner. Mark Cuban. Hello. <clears throat> yeah, Derek's working on Mark Cuban time. Usually I'm the one that's late, so. So prompt on time. Never. So busy. Never. And I was trying to watch the game last night thinking, you know, were you there? And you're, you were there. I was at the game last night. I got here about three. Um, yeah, so it was, it's, it's fun. I mean, I like going to bed three, four o'clock, getting up at seven. So I can sit here and talk to you, Brandon, you know. And, and Derek's the one who sleeps in. Okay. <laughs> but that, that's kind of how you roll, though. Oh. A lot or not? Or are you a 24-7 guy? Yeah, fuck yeah, I am, you know. <laughs> You know, you got all these young dudes here who want to start businesses and want to try to kick your kick my ass. Bring it on, bitches. There ain't no chance. <laughs> so, well, before we get to the overall, I just got to ask you, are you enjoying the Shark Tank? Have you been... Has do do I look at- like someone who's not having fun all the time? I mean, think about it. Think about it. Why the fuck would I do anything if I'm not going to have fun? That's true. Now, is there one particular project that was like enormous amounts of fun? Um, every, no, Mavs are fun um, yeah, when we win. Yeah, when we win. Um, but yeah, the, you know, the beauty of Shark Tank is not so much any one business, but it just sends... Anybody here watch the show? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. It, it, the beauty of the show is that it just sends the message that the American dream is alive and well. That, you know, when these people that can be a family with, you know, an 11-year-old daughter and a 10-year-old son from, you know, Ames, Iowa, and they stand on that carpet in front of the five of us, and this was just a, a, a company they dreamed up in their kitchen, and now they're getting funding from one of us, and it's going from doing 40,000 in sales to a million in sales. Or, you know, there's a deal I did at a company called Simple Sugars, which is one of my favorites. It's a lady, a lady named Lainey Lazari. When she came on the show, um, she was 19. She's from Pittsburgh, my hometown. And she has this um, scrub, you know, that people use for skin, soften your skin and everything. You should try it. Um, and anyway. <laughs> so, um, man, Scrub. <laughs> So she came on the show. She had done $40,000 out of little office in Pittsburgh. She goes on the show, and she does $964,000 in business in the next 30 days. This year, she's on track to do $3 million. She calls me up. Now she's not even 21 yet, right? She calls me up six months after the show airs. She goes, Mark, I got a question. I'm like, what, Lainey? She goes, I got a million dollars in the bank, and I don't know what to do. I'm like, you're lucky you're not 21 because here's what I would do. But, um, you know, we get our tax accountant and, and we get her going. And, and then more recently, she was like, I'm getting these offers and inquiries from people who want to buy me. And, and she's like, don't, don't get mad, but, you know, they're talking buying for a couple million dollars. I want this thing to be big. I'm not going to sell until we're 30 million in sales. And she's not even 21 years old. And so, you know, when you get to deal with somebody like that who just had a dream, more importantly, did the work and just continues to grind and grow, then it's really rewarding. Secret, just what do you tell young people out there that have an idea, have a dream? What's the secret to the sauce? Well, first of all, ideas are like assholes. Everybody's got one. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, it, it's not that big. A, the idea is the easy part. It's, it's actually doing the work and grinding through it. That's the hard part. But what I tell people in terms of the, there's, there's two, two things about success that I always 
pitch. One, the, to me, the definitions of success, success is waking up in the morning with a smile on your face, knowing it's going to be a great day. I mean, I was happy and felt like I was successful when I was poor, living six guys in a three-bedroom apartment, sleeping on the floor, right? I mean, I, I was going to work hard to get somewhere, but I, I was having fun. But in terms of going out and accomplishing things, uh, you know, to me, the thing about it is, is finding something that you love to do and then trying to be great at it. Not everybody's going to get there, but if you really love what you do, then you're not working. I mean, it's the old saying, you never work a day in your life, but, you know, no one ever quits anything they're good at, yeah. you know? And so getting out there, finding something you like, and it doesn't matter, like, people say, okay, you're 19, 20, 21 years old, 23, 24, 25, and I don't know what I'm going to do. That's okay, right? You don't have to have it all figured out right away. It's okay to, you know, after school, hopefully you go to college, but if not, go out and get a job and get paid to learn. You spend all that money to pay to go to college, go out, get paid to learn, find some things that you like to do, maybe that you don't like to do, learn, and then along the way, hopefully you find something that you love to do, and once you love it, you go out there and try to be great at it and see how far it takes you. Well, we have like a 41-year-old guy who, who's kind of unemployed, doesn't really know quite what he's going to do, so we probably need to bring him on, uh, the captain, Derek Jeter. Thank you. Hello, Mr. Jeter. How are you? Hello. See, I told him you would be dressed to the nines, and there's no way I could match that. So <laughs> I got really dressed up. To- <laughs> they, they, gave me, they gave me a dress code. How, how great does Derek Jeter look, though? Thank yeah. you. Smart. You're well rested. I mean, you know, it's been so a busy week with you this week. Yeah, we've been doing quite a bit. Yeah, we've, we've been doing a lot of stuff. Um, I mean, I, I'm concerned. You don't have a job right now. I'm trying to, you know, I'm, you know, we've been together. I want to keep you busy. I don't want you to get I, into well, a rut. One, I do have a job. But two, if I didn't, I'd probably still be doing more than you. <laughs> <laughs> true, true, true. Well, I thought we'd start off actually with one of our, your new companies, because you've got this entrepreneur spirit, um, the Player Tribune. I was just we were talking to Mark earlier. I was like, Mark, if, you, if he was here. He is here. If he was here with the, with the, the Player Tribune and we were the Shark Tank here, like, what would you advise? I like it. No, I like what the Player Tribune. I, I sent Derek an email when I found out about it. I like it, right? Because you don't really hear a player's voice. In, in this day and age, particularly in this city, everything is about headline porn, right? No matter what you say, somebody needs to find the 140 characters of that and turn it into something that, you know, other media can pick up, people can retweet, they can reblast and everything. <clears throat> And the Players' Tribune gives players their own voice in a way that you know, fans can trust and the way that players can trust that their voice will be heard. And so, so is there a need? Absolutely. Then there's the business side of it, and, and that's the challenge, right? Getting out there and making sure that people trust it and that people will read it. And so far, the articles have been you know, brutally honest. And when you do that, then people will come and read and, and turn to Players' Tribune instead of you know, some other traditional media like ESPN. So, yeah, so I love the concept. Now it's just a question of keeping on replenishing it and getting guys to write all the time. Very true, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the difficult part. I mean, there's, you know as well as anyone, um, a lot of people have great ideas, but turning it into a business is, is uh, another completely different challenge. So that's, that's what we're facing now. We have great partners. We have people that, you know, we're working with. We partnered with uh, Thomas Toll, legendary, um, and, and he's really big in the content space, so... We're excited about it. Uh, you know, we've got 
a little bit of a buzz, and, and you know, our, our official launch will be in the middle of February. So. Oh, you haven't even officially launched Not yet? Not officially. Oh, no. Oh, see? Ahead of the game. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Derek, you're publishing. We see you got the book out there, uh, the contract now just recently come out, and then your photo book. What's the plan, and what's your, what's your spirit about that? Well, the publishing side of things, you know, I've, I've partnered with Simon and Schuster, and, and uh, you know, they allowed me to have my own publishing imprint. And, and the idea behind it was I, I get the fact that people are interested in content. Um, you know, I've, I've been very, very careful in terms of staying as private as possible. So just because I don't share my, all my content with the world doesn't mean I don't get the, the fact that people are interested in it. Uh, and more importantly, I'm, I'm interested in people's stories. Um, have anyone here read uh, the Andre Agassi book, Open? I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful book, and I learned quite a bit about Andre, um, not just his success, but I, I've always tried to learn from people's failures, and I like to see how they got into a particular point. And, uh, you know, Andre's book was, was one of the best books that I've read in terms of autobiographies, and, and you know, that's sort of the idea behind it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. Everyone sees Mark Cuban up here, very, very successful. Brandon Steiner, very, very successful. But the thing is that, that I think is more interesting to me is the speed bumps that they encounter along the way. Yep. And I'm interested in telling people's stories, not just sports stories, but in all different walks of life. Interesting. <clears throat> Your app. I just want to get back to the app. It's on the Player Tribune part. What's the uh, concept behind that? Well, right? I mean, you, you, it goes to failures, right? Um, Derek's exactly right. You, you learn so much more from, you know, your character is tested so much more when things aren't going well. Um, about 2006, I got sued by the FCC. And when the government comes after you um, for something, it's a whole different feeling. It's a whole different battle. Um, it took eight years and a lot of money, but I kicked their ass and the, the truth came out. Um, <laughs> But what, you know, what I found along the way um, is that when, you're, when someone's chasing you, when someone's fighting you, you know, particularly when the gloves are off, they'll do whatever it takes to win. And, and in this case, the SEC did it. And they would take all the documents I had, all the emails, every message that I had. And if I said the sky was blue, they said, no, you wrote the sky was blue. But what you really were saying is the sky is green and you were just trying to mislead us. Basically, they, they would take anything and create their own context. So I created an app called Cyberdust because what's happening now in life um, is that whenever you send a message today, email, text, whatever it may be, post on Twitter, the minute you hit send, you lose ownership of that message, but you don't lose responsibility. And so we created an app called Cyberdust. And what Cyberdust does, it's C-Y-B-E-R-D-U-S-T. You can get in the app store. <laughs> and what it does is, when you send a message to another user, it has an algorithm that says, okay, this is how long it'll take to read it. When you're done reading it, add 30 seconds, and then the message disappears. It's gone forever. It is the ultimate privacy app. It's not like Snapchat where it can get hacked and everything. It never touches a hard drive. How do you spell this? C-Y-B-E-R-D-U-S-T, and I'm M-Cuban on it, so you can add me. Um, But the whole concept is, you know, we read every day about a player who sent um, a text to somebody, and then all of a sudden, two years later, it shows up, and it's being used against them. Um, Or in my case, it was the government. So we created this app called Cyberdust, and not only can you send messages from one to one, but it also allows us to send blast, what we call blast, one to many, so that you can communicate with as many people as you need to. But the key is, again, 
it's gone after you've read it. And to me, in this day and age, that's important because our digital footprint just keeps on growing and growing and growing. If you have a Twitter account, there's probably tweets that you have out there that are two, three, four years old that you've forgotten about, and that's okay until something you said comes up and your boss sees it, right, or the media sees it. Then all of a sudden it's used against you. Or look what happened with Sony. They get hacked, right? Now all we're reading on the front page of the post is what all these messages said. Why, why are you keeping your emails for years and years and years and years and years, right, when there's no upside? So CyberDust is a response to the fact that we need to shrink our digital footprint because unlike even 5, 10, 15 years ago, today, when that stuff lives on, there's no upside. And so there's just a lot of reasons to be private. So it's C-Y-B-E-R-D-U-S-T. <laughs> I tell you, Mark, it would be nice if you had a little passion about what you were doing. Um, <clears throat> I mean, does that make does that does that uh, hit home for you though, Derek? No, and you know with the, what you guys go through. But any time there's an email or, or a text, that you worried about before you send that? Like, yeah, well, or yeah, I'm not a big texter. I mean, I, I you know, I'm, I'm I'd rather have a conversation. I think, yeah. um, but you know, this day and age, like Mark says, is very very important because you know I know when people are hiring now. You know, the first thing they do is when they're hiring employees, is they go to their Facebook page and they check out their Twitter and, and people can uh, get jobs or, or not get jobs based on what's on those particular pages. So, uh, you know, I've, I've been a firm believer in trying to protect your privacy as much yeah. as you and can. And today, like when you post something, you know, on Twitter or Facebook, whatever, there's so many trolls. Yeah. People don't want to be nice and just interact with you. Right, and so again, CyberDust is more meant to be more like a face-to-face conversation. We're not taking notes here when we sit and talk. It's just gone when you're done talking. You remember it, and that's what we're trying to recreate. Because it's just we live in a confrontational world now, you know, particularly online. And you know, whoever's tweeting about this, somebody's saying something nice, and there's 50 people saying, "Oh, you jerk! You know, Cuban sucks. Dieter's, Dieter sucks. You know, that's just the nature of the beast." And so. There's got to be a response to that. Mark, I don't think anybody says Jeter sucks. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, yeah, uh, I don't think maybe so. Maybe not in this city, but yeah, there's a whole lot of people in Boston. Yeah, Boston maybe, yeah. Tell me what you... You're here, too. <laughs> tell me what you see in... I mean, you've probably seen so much over the last 20 years in your career, probably happening at a record pace, people jumping in the locker room, running ideas by you, but... With everything you've seen, Derek, what, what do you see happening over the next 10 years now that you have kind of a, a clean highway ahead of you? For me personally, yeah. what For do you I see and, in the next? And just generally, how are you going to interact from a business perspective? <clears throat> well, one thing is, is, is I think a lot of people just automatically assume that, uh, you know, I, I retired and I jumped right into the business world. Um, but what I've always tried to do is, is, is learn as much as possible while I was playing. And, and in that sense, I learned quite a bit about business, whether it was being involved in the marketing side of things, uh, philanthropic with the foundation I was learning. Uh, whether it's uh, investment portfolio, I'm learning about that. So it's not like I just woke up one day and said, hey, I want to be a businessman. I, I have learned quite a bit. Having said that, I still have to learn a, a lot more. I, I, I think, you know, in anything that you do, you're constantly learning. I played for 20 years in New York, and I, and I still felt as though every day I was playing, I was learning something new. And, and, if, and if you're not learning something new, then I think there's something wrong with you. And uh, so I, I love to surround myself with people that are much smarter than me, which is not very difficult to do because most people are much smarter than me. But, you know, 
my ultimate goal one day is, is, is to be a part of an ownership group. And, you know, I'd love to sit down with the Mark and try to find you out. You sure you want to be part of an ownership group? <laughs> <laughs> so I'd love to sit down with Mark and learn as much as I can from his experiences. So I'm constantly trying to learn. But from the business side, uh, it's not like I'm just jumping in the so ten, But 10 years down the road, if we were just looking into my crystal ball here, you're probably running or, and slash owning a team. I would like to. I'm not trying to put a time frame yeah. on it. You know, but maybe. I think you do it when you're ready. I think the worst thing you can do is start any particular business or jump into a business and, and you're not ready for it because you want to be successful at it. Amen to that. Yeah. I mean, just because you want it doesn't mean it's going to happen, yeah. right? I mean, you know, we're talking about Bobby Knight. And one, I went to Indiana University, and when he was coached there, one of the things he said that caught my attention is everybody's got the will to win. Nobody goes into something thinking, I'm going to lose. Everybody's got the will to win, but it's only those with the will to prepare that do win. You know, and business is no different. You've got to do the work. You've got to learn. Like Derek was saying, you're always learning. I think that's what's allowed me to be successful because in the technology business, it's always changing every minute of every day. But that's an opportunity because most people won't do the work. They think, okay, I'm here. I know what I need to know. Whereas the more it changes, the more opportunity there is. So I love to be in industries that are always changing. Sports is no different. I mean, owning, I, I met George Steinbrenner, you know, 15 years ago and tried to pick his brain, right? Um, and it was before I, I owned the Mavs. And oh, so you did prepare before you bought the Mavs? No, I didn't prepare anything. It was just like, what the fuck, why not, right? <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't I? <laughs> but I tried to learn just from people I thought that I respected and looked up to, put aside that they're in the sports business. And, I mean, he would, it's funny how a lot of successful people in sports on the business side will say, just be yourself, right? But go out there and realize it's always changing. If, there's, if there was one template for everybody to win a championship in sports, we'd all follow it. There just isn't. So you always have to be learning, um, to, to Derek's point. And, and if you, the minute you slow down, someone's going to pass you by. So you jump into the you dump you dump in yeah yeah absolutely dump in you jump into the Maverick situation it was just you're just winging it I mean you just pretty learned, much I mean yeah um, well here it's, it's not like buying the Yankees with a long tradition so I bought the Mavs it'll be 15 years in January and um, I remember I was it was opening night of the 99 2000 season I was a season ticket holder and it's opening night we're undefeated I'm I'm excited you know and so I go there and um, you know, the place holds 19,000, and there were 14,000 maybe there. There's no energy in the building. And I'm I, I, talking to my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, and I'm like, I can do a better job than this. And all of a sudden, I was like, damn, I just got paid. I'm going to try to buy this shit. And so um, that was it. <laughs> that was the whole process. So the guy who owned it was a real estate guy, not a basketball guy. Literally, to show you how much of a basketball game, uh, basketball guy he wasn't, when we were meeting, we were watching a game, and I was like, that's a travel. And, it, and he looks at me. Okay, so what travel is, <laughs> you just had no idea whatsoever. And so I, I just dove in. But talk about the difference in organizations. The only award that the Mavericks had won prior to my buying them, they were voted the worst professional sports franchise of the 90s. <laughs> it's a big so there's only one direction I could go, right? Big upside. Yeah. <laughs> Derek, you mentioned about learning. Is there something that right now you're, zoom, are you, are you zoned in on learning? Anything particular now these days? Everything. You know, I... I I've told you this before. My biggest fear in life is being unprepared. Yeah. I don't like to be unprepared. It, it makes me very, very uncomfortable. Um, you know, it was the same way when I was playing baseball. If I was unprepared, I felt as though the game would speed up. 
you know, you hear about athletes talk about in big moments, you know, for some athletes it slows down, for other ones it speeds up. And I think it slows down the more prepared you are. Yeah. So uh, it's a big fear of mine. And, uh, you know, I do everything in my power to be pre- prepared, as prepared as possible. And a lot of that is knowledge. So I, I, I feel as though I've been a sponge for knowledge in everything that I've done. And, and uh, you know, I'll continue to be that way. But do you think about maybe, do you go to take a business class? Do you, is there, do you have some mentors or? Well, I'm, I think I'm learning on the fly. I think I'm, I'm, I'm learning a lot through experience. You know, I, I think I'm probably learning more this way than I would in a business class because, uh, you know, I'm learning through experience. So um, I almost feel like I'm, I'm, I'm doing an internship with a, a couple of different businesses. Who are some of your mentors? Like, I mean, do you have somebody you go to when you get stumped? No. I'm like, I'm like Derek, I just dive in, right? Whatever, if I think I need to be here, I try to figure out what I need to learn to get there to slow the business down. And, you know, I'll, I'll read two, three, four hours a day, you know, do whatever it takes to, to try to give myself an edge. You know, when I bought the Mavs, I'm reading the collective bargaining agreement. I'm reading every document I can find, just everything that I possibly can learn. <clears throat> because I agree 100% with what Derek said. You, you have to be prepared. The, look, b- business is the ultimate sport, you know, in baseball, it's, it does, it does, there's not a time limit, but there's nine innings and then there's a winner, right? Then you go to the next game. Basketball, 48 minutes and there's a winner and you go to the next game. Business is the ultimate sport. You're competing 24 by 7 by 365 by forever, and you don't even know who your competitors are 99% of the time. And so, you know, whatever business you're in, if you come into my industry, I'm going to try to kick your ass. And the only way to do that is to be prepared and to do the work and to always be learning. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I agree 100%. You know, preparation and doing whatever it takes to give yourself um, a competitive advantage. And that all the time, that's about learning. The Shark Tank. I mean, in a sense, you almost have your own little mini version of the Shark Tank. Because you're looking at ideas on a regular basis or... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm approached quite a bit, but you know, it has to mean something to me. You know, I'm not just going to attach my name to something just just to put my name on it. If it doesn't mean something, then I, I don't want to be involved in it. And and it's like that in uh, you know my previous career. It sounds weird saying that. <laughs> my previous career, uh, you know, winning and losing meant something to me. So um, it's the same thing in business. And, and there's a lot of similarities between business and, and sport, just like Mark said. So I'm sure there are a lot of people that want to be in business with you. So is it hard to sort through all that, or...? Oh, man. You know, the, the thing is, is, is I've spoken quite a bit about brand. You know, people always talk about brand. For me, I don't really like that word so much. But I, but I also think people confuse brand and image at particular points. You know, image is what you want people to view you as. Brand is who you are. Um, so once you have built up that brand, I mean, there's, you got to try to protect it and you got to try to promote it. I mean, how you promote, I mean, how you protect it is you surround yourself with people who are going to be honest with you. They're going to tell you right from wrong. You know, how do you promote it? You align yourself with, with companies and businesses that you believe in. So that's just the philosophy that, you know, I've been trying to use. Probably, probably a big challenge in the next five years. No, ooh, he's got ooh. it right on, man, because yeah. he's not in a rush. Yeah. You know, people think... Okay, now, boom, done, right? I got to go. And that's when people get themselves in trouble. And, you know, he's exactly right. And he said it better than I could in terms, you know, brand versus image. And being able to manage and control your brand is about taking your time. It's about being prepared. It's about, you know, it's like on Shark Tank. You don't have to rush into a deal. There's enough things that come your way that you just wait for the right pitch. You know, literally, pitch, pitch, get it. See the little joke I made there? Pitch. (laughs) 
I thought New Yorkers were quick. Damn. Uh, it's early. It's early. We're, we're a late town. Right? Business is the ultimate sport. I love that. But let me ask you this. On the Shark Tank, what's the difference between the people that come on the show that get a deal and the difference between the people that don't? You know, they have real businesses or they have real upside. So there's two types of businesses that I'll look at. One is somebody who's taking it from idea to a business, but it's still early, but I think the upside is big. Um, or somebody who started to really grow their business, but they need that little boost. And so if I can give them that boost, be, you know, I'll look at my skill set and their skill set and say, if we complement each other, then let's do something together. But again, you know, and Shark Tank, let me qualify that. Shark Tank's a little bit different in that sometimes I just try to, to do the right thing. So like there, there's a company called the Living Christmas Tree Company. It's a guy named, his, changed his name to Scotty Claus. And what he does is he grows, <laughs> he grows Christmas trees in um, unoccupied land in California. And then he rents the living Christmas trees to people. And after Christmas, when you're done, rather than throwing it away, you, he comes by, picks it up, and then replants it. And you can get the same Christmas tree. And there's families that have had the same Christmas tree for 20 years with him. And so it's just a cool idea. And, um, but the... It, what, the business isn't big. He'll do one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Um, we did one hundred fifty thousand last year. He'll do like two fifty this year. But he employs like forty veterans to go and pick up the trees and to plant and you know, water and do all the work. And so sometimes it's just the right thing to do. And 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 that's a little bit more important than how much money I can make. So are you investing sometimes in people? Yeah, of course. Well, you above have and both. beyond the idea, or do you have that both? Yeah, you have to have both because look. He could be. A, he is a great guy, but if the business didn't make sense to me, then he's not going to be around very long. Yeah. And so, it, you know, it's got to be more than just the person. I asked about one thing. What's up with the 3D uh, in, in the stadium idea that you came up with? What's going on? Well, with that? yeah. It, so it's a company called. I didn't come up with this. It's an Israeli company. So, you know, I have this this ongoing battle with NBA referees, and so. <laughs> no. You? Enough so that they won't even let me in baseball, so it's, it's okay. Um, but there's this technology now where we're taking um, 5K, really super high-resolution cameras, and we just installed them around the arena. And what it does, instead of working in video, it, it, the cameras turn all the video into data. And what's really cool about it, it allows you to recreate any perspective on the court. So if I want to know what did Dirk see... You know, when he took that shot, literally, I can just run some software and it'll recreate the, recreate the entire play. In baseball, if I wanted to see the pitch and the, the whole look of the pitch from the viewpoint of the pitcher, the catcher, the shortstop, the batter, whatever, because it's now data, it recreate it. If I want to see, now, like, we all go nuts in, at the end of an NBA game when they review everything to see if it went out of bounds and we look at normal video um, replays. With this, you'll be able to turn, it, it's as if because it's all data, you could just turn the whole court and see who hit the ball and did it go out of bounds? Literally, because it becomes data, and then that turns into virtual reality, and that you can, you know, so many different things you can do. But I did it because, you know, anything that fucks things up, I like to do. And so, I'm gonna write that down. Anything that it's the truth. That's my um, guiding principle. Fuck it up. Your underwear, not. That's that thing came out right. Just, just, <laughs> go, go somewhere else. On that else. note, I'll leave. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, What's wrong with you, man? <laughs> you got problems, man. <laughs> it's red, too. That's yeah, it. That was it, the underwear company that, um, you know, that you're... <laughs> <laughs>
You know, you're all thinking about his underwear right now. No. But um, the underwear, the underwear company. <laughs> you sure you don't want to go somewhere else? Please. I'm going there. You didn't um, think about But the underwear this. company that you uh, are part of, it's about hundred dollars for those briefs. Um, is there? You want <laughs> this guy, son. <laughs> Just stop. I think we're going to go to the audience. We're going to go to the audience. Yeah, go to some the questions. Yeah, yeah. we'll take some audience. questions from the audience. <laughs> He didn't want to talk about his briefs. Yeah, this, so, this. Um, we'll take some questions. Was the microphones out there? <laughs> you didn't get much sleep last night, huh? I actually did. Slept huh? like a baby. Uh, right here, yeah. Right. How you doing? Uh, Derek, Mark, it's an honor to meet both of you. Um, my name is Roger. Um, I have... Um, no problem motivating myself. I'm in business for myself, um, but I do have um, employees and a team. And sometimes it's difficult to bring that energy, like you said, Mark, into the team. Um, how do you, what, how, how do you work that out? How do I work it? Yes. I mean, <clears throat> I mean my approach. Derek always, also, he's a captain. How did you, you know, motivate uh, your team? My approach is always the same. I want to be very clear what my vision is for the organization, and I also want to understand individually what your goal is and what my people's goals, the people in the company's goals are. And then it's my job to, to make them feel comfortable that I can put them in a position to succeed. You know, some people want to be the CEO. Well, if I'm the CEO, then let me show you how far I can grow your, your experience and your skill set so you can go somewhere and be CEO. If you want to be a clerk and just work nine to five so you can spend more time with your kids, as long as I understand that, and you understand, and we, we have an agreement, then fine. I'll make you, you know, get, accomplish as much as you can from 9 to 5 so you can be happy and spend more time with your kids. It's just really about communications and making sure everybody's on the same page and has an understanding of what the expectation is. Problems happen when there's, there's not an understanding of expectations because you want them to go, 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 go and catch up with you. And do, but not everybody's like that. And so you've got, as, as the entrepreneur, as the CEO, you've got to hire people that in the positions you need go are ready to go. Because if, if you hire people who aren't, then it's on you for hiring the wrong people. Yeah, I mean, well, Mark touched on that. You know, the, the approach that I've always taken is it, it takes time to get to know the people that you're leading. You know what I mean? There's, there's different personalities. And, and, you know, one of the lessons I learned is, you, you know, I've said it time and time again, you don't treat everyone the same. Treat everyone fairly, but you don't treat everyone the same. And it takes time to get to know each individual. Some guys or women you can yell at. That'll motivate them. Other people, you got to put your arm around. You got to hug them. Um, but that takes time. And, and uh, you know, you hear a lot about chemistry, team chemistry or chemistry in business. Well, in my mind, chemistry means you have to have people that really care about it as much as you do. If you have enough people that care, then you're going to have good team chemistry. If you don't, it's going to be a struggle. Uh, this is a question for, for Derek. I was just wondering what you thought about uh, the new Yankee shortstop, D.D. Gregorius. Oh, you want to know what I think about that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know much about him, really. I, I, um, you know, he's in the National League. At, so the Arizona, I, I was not there when we played him. I think I was hurt. So um, I really don't know much about him. Uh, you know, I, I know people are excited about him, and uh, I hope he does extremely well. Um, he's very young. He's, what, 24, 25 years old, so I 
Hopefully he has a bright future, but I, I don't know enough about him to comment on it. Sorry. Okay. Mr. Junior, Mr. Cuban, uh, honor to hear you both. I am an a entrepreneur with a, a few successful exits under my belt, much less than yours. Um, much, much, much less than yours. But um, the one thing I do every day um, without fail, I get up super early and I work out. Even if it's just 20 minutes, I have to do it. It, it sets my brain for the day. To, to both of you gentlemen, the one thing you do every day that you must do that you credit your day going well or going badly if you don't do it. I mean, you can tell, obviously, I work out. You can see my, <laughs> you can see my one pack. Is it just? <laughs> um, I've, got, I've got to learn. You know, I've got to keep up because, I mean, it doesn't matter where I am in the world or what I'm doing. If, if I feel like I'm falling behind, then I feel lost, you know. And like I said, I'm so competitive, just so competitive. I just, you know, it just makes me feel, I, I just don't feel right if, I, if I'm not keeping up. So I have to read. Yeah, it's similar. You know, like like I said, you know, for me it was preparation, like I mentioned. Um, you know, I like to know what I have to do that particular day in a previous career. Uh, yeah, I had to work out as well. Uh, now I do it by choice. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you have to you have to know what you're going to get yourself into that particular day, and make sure that you're 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 prepared. And 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 for me, the way I always looked at it was, uh, you know, Mark talks about being competitive. I think you always have to keep your eye on your competition, because you keep your eye on your competition, then then it pretty much eliminates complacency. You know what I mean? You never sit back and say you haven't made. Well, what's this person over here doing? It's going to make you work that much harder. Did you did you go through that a little bit with the Red Sox during certain years? Were you kind of keeping an eye on teams that were kind of breathing on you or, or in front of you, behind you? Not any one team in particular. You know, I, I've always, when when a season is over with, I always look in the mirror and see what I could do better. You know, I never reflected and said, oh, well, we accomplished this or we accomplished that. It's what's next. And, um, you know, I probably should have appreciated things a little bit more while I was playing, but my mind doesn't work like that. It's just what's next, what's next, what's next. And, and uh, so I paid attention, but not to one particular team. But it's, it's different now as we get older, though, isn't it? Because there's always the young kid, the 24-year-old yeah. short stuff, mm-hmm. right? The, the, the 18-year-old starting a company. And to me, that's, <clears throat> that's even more motivating because, you, don't, you know, we all want to stay relevant. You know, we all, you know, what's the um, Daisy Confused? We keep on getting older and they stay the same age. Um, <laughs> you know? Um, so, yeah, I, I always talk about it, and you heard me earlier. I mean, I want to kick everybody's ass. I don't care how old you are. And so I, I always want to stay, stay current. <clears throat> this question is for uh, Derek and Mark. Are you two uh, willing to uh, go into business together, maybe to own a baseball team? Well, Mark's are you going to talk the, about underwear? Mark, well, yeah, yeah. Mark's got, <laughs> Mark's got the money, man. I don't have it. I'm still trying to yeah, get Now that Bud's money. gone, maybe I can get in. <laughs> <laughs> I got no comment on it. <laughs> best friend, Bud. Hi, gentlemen. Good morning. I uh, run a company called N2, uh, Energy Sustainability <laughs> Company. So N2 could be perfect for you, Derek. I'm wondering, now that you're getting into the what technology... What percent do I get? Well, we, we, <laughs> we have to talk about that, but that, that's the question. How do you vet companies that you may want to take an interest in? And that's a question for each of you. Do you have a process in place? Do you have a team? How could we get on your radar screen? Other than I just stood up now to ask you the question. Thank you. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a, definitely a team that's in place. Uh, you know, like I said, I, I, I'm very good at knowing what I don't know. <laughs> 
Uh, so I surround myself with people, like I said before, that are much smarter than me. Um, but, yeah, I, I have to learn about it. I have to if it means something to me. And, and I'm not into putting my name or attaching my name to things just for the sake of being involved with them. Um, it really has to mean something. So, yeah, I would love to get to know some about your company. But, um, yeah, there's definitely a process in place. See, my process is a lot easier. I already told you how I communicate, right? So I want to know if you're smart enough to figure out the best way to reach me. Real easy. And then you send me a message, and I'm going to read that first paragraph or two, and I'm going to know. And if I'm interested, I'll follow up, and if not, I won't. Um, it's just bam, bam, bam. And to, to Derek's point, I know what I know and know what I don't know, and I consider that a great skill to know what I don't know. And if it's outside my realm, I'm just going to tell you, I don't know anything about this. You know, sorry, I can't help. But are you a fan of telling somebody like that, maybe you want to come on the Shark Tank? Is that a... Is that a- yeah, I mean, look, I, I always tell people to, to apply on Shark Tank so I don't have to mess with them. Um, <laughs> just go to abc.com slash Shark Tank, apply. Um, or, um, but yeah, no, if you get on Shark Tank, Shark Tank is probably the best <clears throat> selling platform in, in America today. I mean, if you get your 10 minutes on Shark Tank, that's better than being on the homepage of Amazon for a week. Um, there, there are a few places where you can tell the country, tell the world now, um, about your company and have it be repeated, you know, 20 times. And so, yeah, if you can get on Shark Tank, go for it. Who's next? Right here. Derek, Mark, pleasure. Um, I'm a sales professional. I've been in, uh, in sales about 10 years myself. And uh, I grew up as an athlete. I played collegiate sports. And the commonality among the different industries I've been in, from banking to the renewable energy field, specifically around sales, has been the sports analogy, you know, teamwork, camaraderie, um, you know, using the sports analogy to really, uh, you know, hone in your, your game for business and sales. And I've bought into the sales theory, uh, the sports analogy theory many times. And I found holes as a, as an athlete with that sports analogy in the sense that I found it's really not, maybe perhaps it's the business organizations I've been working in, or even the, the profession of sales, that it's not, the same thing as sports in the sense that there's real teamwork, there's real camaraderie, but in the business world, specifically around sales, it's all about yourself. How would you respond to that to somebody in a, in, you know, in a sales profession really trying to uh, find real teamwork in the sports analogy? Thank you. Man. Um. <laughs> what was the question again? Yeah. <laughs> was, there a qu- was there a question? Yeah. <laughs> well, you... <laughs> It, well, you <laughs> sorry. In sports, there's teamwork, right? In the business world, <laughs> specifically in sales, it's around your own your own sale. And I've ne- I've never found an organization that had a consistency of teamwork. And so, my, how many my, organizations have you been with? Three. Maybe that's the problem. You've been with the wrong organization because yeah. you know, if, you, if you think about it, there's teamwork in all business. I don't care if it's individual. I mean, in baseball, it's individual. It's a batter against a, a, a pitcher. That's an individual moment, but ultimately, it's a team goal. Uh, so I think it's the same thing as sales. Uh, you know, any good business or organization that you're with is going to have to promote teamwork. Uh, that's just my opinion. I, correct me if I'm wrong, Mark. If you have a different, no, no. I mean, idea. I agree. Yeah, I mean, look. If here's what I heard, I don't know if there's real quick, but here's what I heard because you kept on saying me, right? And when when I see when I have issues in organizations, typically people are looking from the inside out 
you know, here's what I think. Here's what I need. Here's what's going, not right for me. Here's where things aren't working. Um, and so whether it's sales or other parts of the organization, when, when it's, everybody else is doing it wrong and you're the one that's doing it right, chances are you're, it's not them, it's you. Right? And so I always, again, it gets back to what we said earlier, that there's got to be communications, there's got to be teamwork. But if you find yourself in multiple organizations, regardless of the position, and you always think they're bad companies or they don't know what they're doing, it ain't them, it's you. I think it's, I always use the equation like, you know, sometimes if you want to have a good friend, be a good friend. Yep. If you want to have a good employer, be a good employee. Well, I, I've, you uh, know, and, my, my version of that is if you really want to find success in an organization, reduce the stress of those around you. Don't increase the stress. If you find that you're increasing stress for people, you've got to rethink what you're doing. That's so true. I, you know, the other thing is just on a small note is that somehow we got lost along the way. It's like, what can the company do for you? Now, a lot of employees are looking, what, what else is, what's in it for me? What else can I get as opposed to what you can do? What else can you give? How can you make the company better? The customer experience. What's got to go both ways, yeah. right? People want to feel like, you know, Derek said it exactly right. People, it's teamwork. It's culture. People have to feel like they belong. It takes time to get to know people. Um, it doesn't happen overnight. And, yeah. you know, it's hard to have that patience to figure it out. Sports ownership. Question for you, Mark and Derek. There's probably 120 professional sports teams all worth over $100 million. I'm just curious, Mark, the D-League is growing. Do you think, is that, as new franchises, is that could be an interesting place both to learn as an owner and also I'm curious in your long-term views of the economic upside of maybe owning a D-League as a step to becoming a professional sports team? Owner. An NBA D-League team? Yes. Yeah, it's a great starting point to understand how to, um, to get into sports and to you know, do it for a lot less money. Um, the, the big difference is between owning you know, another franchise in the D-League is that winning a championship is good, but it's not the ultimate goal. You're going to have an, it's like a minor league baseball team. You're going to have an affiliation, and supporting that affiliation is the ultimate goal. But it's a great way to learn. It's a great way to be part of the sports industry. It's a great way to develop young talent both on the quarter field and off in, in the back offices. So it, it's a very rewarding environment, but it's not quite the same because it's not just about winning a championship. This question's for Mark right here. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm an avid user of CyberDust, actually. Thank for you. Over, C-Y-B-E-R. Yeah, since, uh, <laughs> since the creation almost, I think, a year ago, has it been? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so the story is uh, this guy offshore, he wanted to talk to me more, you know, on a private level. So he said, use CyberDust as Mark Cuban's thing because of the SEC. So <laughs> it's kind of See, it's funny. working. Yeah, it's working. And I've seen it grow, too. <laughs> Yeah, um, you guys just new recently update. updated it, right? Yep. Yeah. So I'm an avid user, and Thank it's a you. great app. I just want to say, and my username is Anus Muncher. Okay, I got you. Yeah, so I add me. You. you can add and me on. That money I promised you, and that yeah, we got you. <laughs> thank you. This question, uh, this is for Derek. First of all, I want to say thank you for being such a great role model for all our children. Um, if you could... Thank you. From a mom's point of view... You've been great. Um, how did you stay after all these years of being so successful and, you know, so great? Um, how do you stay so humble and so gracious and really didn't change you? I mean, as I, you know, listening to you now, you're still just such a wonderful person. I mean, how do you keep grounded like you are? Thank you. Well, I've been fooling you for a long time. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. Um, I, you know, I, I, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, I'm a little biased, but I think a lot of it has to do with my family. I'm pretty close to my family. 
Um, you know, when I was, anytime I do something, I always have it in the back of my mind. I don't want to disappoint my parents. It sounds funny because I'm 40 years old now, um, talking about disappointing my parents, which I'm sure I have before, but at least that filter, you know, I have that filter in my brain saying I don't want to disappoint them. Then also, I, I, I think I've surrounded myself with good people. I think the key is, you know, you have to surround yourself with, with people that are going to be open. They're going to be honest with you. They're going to tell you, pat you on the back when you're doing things good. But more importantly, they're going to tell you when you're doing things wrong. And, and I've had a close-knit group of friends for years, and, and um, I constantly go to them for advice and my family as well. So I think it's a, the support group that you have around you that, that, that keeps you grounded. You're not going to ask me about being humble? <laughs> Hi, Mark. But just one quick thing, Mark. Any regrets, though, on some of the, you know, some of your aggressiveness, you know, with the commissioner, or with the league, the refs? <laughs> not one. Not one. Not one. The fines, all that? Nope. I bought more coffee and donuts for those dudes than you could ever imagine. No. No, I mean, look, anytime I've gotten fined in the NBA, except right at the beginning, because I was just, just all new, except for a couple right at the beginning, it was always planned. And that's what pissed off David Stern in the NBA more than anything else, because I knew the process. I knew I was going to get fined. I knew that they would announce it to try to send a message to me. Then the media would come to me. Then I'd spin it to my advantage to send a message, you know, and what I wanted to accomplish. And what's ended up happening is, you know, the internal operations of, of the NBA, you know, whether it's officiating or some other marketing areas, it's 180 degrees different than the way it used to be. So it was an expensive lesson, but I think it accomplished what I set out to accomplish. So, yeah, for, particularly in that area. But I, I go back to what Derek said. It, it still comes back to family, right? Because of all the things you can do and everything that happens, my biggest fear in life after my, after my family's health is I don't want my kids to be entitled jerks, you know. You know, I want them to have to go and learn the same way that I did. And, and so the, if, if there's anything I get concerned about, you know, that's where it all comes back to. Hi, Mark. We are in New York. Mark, I'm a big uh, Shark Tank fan. Thank you. Right here. There you are. Hey, what's going on? <laughs> Mark, I want to first thank you for investing in my best friend's company. Which one? Ocho. Ocho, just, yeah. Just watch, yeah. Uh, you know, smart money follows smart money. I was one of the Tell first me get back places. to work. Yeah. All right, sounds good. <laughs> um, how do you stay up with everything? You know, you, you run how many different companies? You're involved in the Mavericks. You know, you own the Mavericks. You run, you know, you're sharp. I love what I do. I, I mean, I don't... But how do you organize? How do you prioritize your time? Um, in terms of prioritizing my time, I don't do phone calls. I don't do meetings unless you're writing me a check. If you're writing me a check, I'll even wear a suit if it's a big enough check. Um, really big check. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes, but um, people, you know, the way I work with the companies I invest in or even and that I run, everybody knows that they're going to send me a weekly report, and in that weekly report, it's bad news first. I expect good news. I don't need you to tell me the fluff. I expect good news. So if there's anything wrong, I want to know about it immediately so I can deal with it and I can help you. Um, as good things happen, great. I mean, we want to celebrate those as they get big enough, but. I don't need to, to get, um, you know, all the fluff. And so because of that, as, as I develop relationships with people and, and they get to know how to work with me, that's my communications tool. And, you know, if I need to go out, go to, I'm going to Pittsburgh tomorrow and I'll meet with two of my companies there. So there's a point in time where I'll go and spend time. But typically, you know, I'm not going to 
Say, oh, okay, let's get on the phone. Let's chit chat. So know. how many calls a day do you take? Phone calls? Yeah. My wife and my general manager, my coach, that's it. No one else can call me. That's it? Well, Derek, I'll give you my number. But... <laughs> and you know what I'll do? What he calls? Oh, that's Derek. I'm going to text you back. Cyberdust me and we'll talk about it. <laughs> that's it. And, you know, my so wife you're really disciplined me. about this. I mean, you're really not doing calls. No. I mean, you know, because to yeah. me, there's only so many hours a day and I want to be productive. I want to get things done. You know, I want to be prepared. And it's like, so how's the kids? with the Mavs do? It's like... Okay, first of all, if you're asking me what the Mavs did last night, fuck you because you're not a good enough friend and you, you, should, you should already know, right? You're right. Like, how'd the Yankees do last? Doesn't that bother? Doesn't that drive yeah. you crazy? How'd the Yankees do yesterday? Seriously? You're trying to do business with me and you don't even. It's not even worth the time to look to see how we did last night. So I'm prepared. I'm prepared. On the right, over here. How'd the Mavs do last night? We won, bitch. How's that? All right. <laughs> You're a great role model, Mark. Um, I guess this is for both of you guys. <laughs> and, and it's easy to talk about the wins and successes, but the biggest speed bumps that you ran into in your careers and how that, you know, motivate you to keep going. Man, that's, whew. there's a lot. You know, I, I, you know, there's so many... I think the key is is, is everyone's going to have speed bumps. Uh, you just don't want it to become a roadblock. And um, for me, I, I started my career. I signed the day after my 18th birthday, so um, I'd never been away from home. Uh, you know, so it was dealing with being homesick. Most importantly, dealing with failure. You know, I, I grew up in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and and, and really. When it came to baseball, and I'm not trying to sound a certain way, but it came to baseball, I really had never struggled. I mean, it's a really small town, and then now you're going into the professional arena, and, and uh, there's a lot of struggle. So dealing with struggles is, is a speed bump. Getting to New York, dealing with the media, uh, dealing with criticism um, on a daily basis. You know, we play a, a game of failure, so dealing with criticism and, and uh, every single day and negative questions every single day, is, it's – Definitely a speed bump, but I, I never let that turn into a roadblock. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, there's a long <clears throat> list. I mean, I can tell you, <laughs> coming home with the lights turned off. I mean, I remember being 27 years old, and I tell the story all the time, going to the ATM, and <laughs> it's empty, right? It, it's negative, in fact. Um, my first company... <laughs> getting a call from the bank and saying, you know, we've been getting these checks where the, the payee is whited out, and there's this lady by the name of Renee Hardy who put her name in there, and um, she took all your money. Well, she left $2,000 out of 84. And so you, shit happens, you know, and it's not the fact that things will go wrong because they will. There will be obstacles. It's how you deal with them, and like Derek said, it, it doesn't become a roadblock because you know things – it's going to happen to all of us. Nothing, nothing, nothing's ever a straight line from where you are to where you want to be. And it's the fact that you know that going in and you're willing to, to be prepared and do the work to overcome those obstacles. I love that. Nothing's ever a straight line from where you are to where you want to be. Everybody wants to get on the train thinking it's going to get off the stop. That's convenient, but it Never doesn't work that way. way. We've got to get a question from up top, though. <clears throat> it's hard to see you guys up there. If somebody had a question up top. Yep, go ahead. <laughs> it sounds like... <laughs> So. 
Um, I'm probably, I don't know per year, but I'm probably invested in a hundred and a few companies. And over the last 30 years, I'd, maybe 200 companies because some have been sold. And out of those 200, probably 25 have gone belly up. So it's, and look, I'm not saying all these things have been major successes either, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I try to be very careful. I, I, don't, I try not to play a numbers game with my investment where it's like, okay, as long as 10% hit it, I don't care about the other 90%. I really try to recognize that this is somebody's life, somebody's dream, somebody's ambition, and, and try to work with them to develop it. This is the last question down here on the left. Hey, how you doing? Um, my name's Doug. Uh, this question was for Derek. Um, I work with the ad agency that uh, created your final Gatorade ad. Um, but I just kind of wanted to get your perspective on um, how you create your brand image, work with your ad agencies, uh, come up with the concepts, because I had read that you were highly involved with that final um, Gatorade ad. Also, the final brand Jordan ad, just a little POV on that. Yeah, uh, you know, I think one thing that I've, I've learned throughout my career, um, you know, when I first came up, I didn't realize that you could actually say no. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's a lot of ads or commercials or some things that if I could go back, I wouldn't have, I would have said thank no God to myself. For that. I had one Nike commercial, and I don't think anyone even saw it, thank God. But uh, we went to the old... Um, club that John Travolta in Saturday Night Fever. Club Studio 54. Oh, man, I'm telling you, I was out there and I was doing dance moves on the... One of these things, you know. It was 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 baseball moves. Thank God for YouTube, right? I don't think you can... Well, I'm not going to challenge anybody. (laughs) Forget I mentioned it, but I didn't realize that I could actually say no at the time. And, and, uh, you know, you you talk about the last couple ads that you you, you brought up. You know, the Jordan ad, that they, they... That was their idea. You know, they, they wanted um, to be a commercial where people tip their caps to me out of respect. And, and you know, I thought that was a, a great commercial. But when it came to the Gatorade ad, I wanted to flip it. And I wanted to have the opportunity to thank the fans. Because for, for us as professional athletes and Mark as an owner, um, you know, it, it's great to compete. But it wouldn't be the same if the arena or the, or the stadium was empty. Uh, so I wanted to get the opportunity to thank the fans, and, and I think it came across well. I, I wish I could have been able to thank all the fans, but that was my way of sort of reaching out to them and, and, and thanking them. Cool. Uh, closing note, just, I'm just curious, on the, on the community service stuff, you know, obviously you have your turn, too. You started mm-hmm. the foundation 20 years ago. Uh, now that you have a little extra time, I mean, is there any vision on where that's going, how important is community service and it's it's very important you know i i started the foundation back in 1996 and one of our signature programs called the jeter's leaders program and these are our kids high school students that are very very active not only in their their schools but in their community and uh you know one of the one of the themes of the foundation the theme of that particular program is is social change which i think is is fitting now when you take into consideration everything that's happened in ferguson here in new york and you know the young boy that was shot in in uh, Cleveland recently. Um, you know, the, the thing, we, we've always promoted our kids to go out there and, and, and understand the power of their voice and um, standing up for what they believe in. And, uh, you know, this perfect time for that. And, and I, I really like seeing all the, the rallies and the protests that are out there and people 
saying what they believe in. I'm, I'm talking about people of all different races, yeah. all different nationalities. And, and, you know, what you want is you want those, you want to make sure that those are productive. And you don't want any more violence. You don't want any more arrests. And, and, uh, but we, we're, we're very happy and very excited with our kids. They're impressive kids. You've worked with a, with a few of them as well. The, the Jeter Leader team. program is, is unbelievable. I've had a few in my office. I mean, I love these kids. Because it's, it's really given them a path right to college. It's, it's taking incredible talent that may not get that chance. And I've had, I think, three Jeter's leaders. I mean, I, I think they're better than half. half yeah, we've had 100% yeah. of our leaders have gone on to college yeah. um, in the last nine years. So it's, it's an impressive case. Yeah. Yeah. Love, love the turn, too. Your sister really has done an amazing, amazing job there. Um, you get involved probably with so much different community, but you've got the Mavs. Is this something personal, though, for you at this point? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's different organizations. I have um, – and, and I'm not, I don't want to go into them, honestly, just because I, I – all my rules of my fraternity with uh, charities, with the exception of a group called the Fallen Patriot Fund, where um, when people who have gone to um, war in Iraq, Afghanistan, wherever – and have, have run into personal financial <clears throat> difficulty, we'll fund them. But I try to, I think there's too many charities and not enough charity, right? And so I try to work directly, and whenever I do, the rule is it has to be anonymous. You can't make an announcement because I want to do it for the right reasons. I, I do have two, I have the Fallen Patriot Fund and a group called um, Little Heroes, which is the largest inner city baseball group and basketball organization in the country. And so there's a couple that I'll put my name on. But other than that, I really just try to try to do it for the right reason. Because like, like Derek said earlier, people will use your name and try to turn it into something. And it's, it, it goes away from being charity. And I want it to always be about the kids and the organization. So. Okay. Well, thank you, guys. Cyber Dust. Yeah. <laughs> the Player Tribune, Steiner Sports. We want to thank also, I forgot to thank the Pink Tie and uh, C, Private Pass. And uh, USA Today had some sponsors for the breakfast this morning. You guys are great. I mean, it's amazing just to be able to share an hour with you guys and talk about this stuff. And um, thank you, Derek, for everything you do, too. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. And thank you. Thank you.